Welcome to Aftersight, your home for stories for people just like you. Your vision loss journey isn't something to be ashamed of. Take a listen. And that's the main thing I remember learning when I was taught the slack line when I still had vision is don't look at the line below you, but look at your anchor point that's solid ahead of you. If you want me to cook your dinner, you have to put somewhere to go. <laughs> and I suppose part of this was also my own trying to figure out who I was and how to be in the world in this very new way. Prop, I would say a potted plant because I get sad when the flowers would like wilt, mm. you know, oh. eventually. I'm going to say fresh cut flowers because then I don't have to worry about killing a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at taking care of These people all have the same thing in common. You. Their stories are for your encouragement, your determination, and your inspiration. This is Aftersight. I am your host, Penn Street. I hope everybody's new year is going well so far. Today's episode is a little bit different. And I today I am interviewing prominent figures with the blind community who are going to share and honor and celebrate Scott Labar. Scott passed away in December of 2022 at the young age of 54. And I say that because I'm 54 and I it's way, way too soon. His passion has his passion has inspired so many um, young and old blind people across Colorado and the world. His death has stunned and has deeply saddened our community. And Scott was a fierce leader and advocate for all of us. When we come back, we have Kevin Worley and Julie Riskin, who are going to share stories about Scott, but also the impact that he had, not only on our blind community here in Colorado or even the United States, but actually the entire world. So hang on and we'll be back shortly. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit AINcolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. Kevin and Julie, welcome to Aftersight. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Um, can you can each of you um, tell us your titles, your job titles, and your connection to Scott? So I I am right now the co-executive director of the Colorado Cross Disability Coalition, um, and the, the co the co is new. We moved to a shared leadership model, which is absolutely wonderful, but. I know Scott because we, for many years, were both running organizations, um, disability organizations. So we were in the same space. And I have incredible admiration for the National Federation of the Blind and for the Colorado Center of the Blind. And I always say, you know, the NFB is what I want CCDC to be when we grow up, um, although we're 33 oh. years old. So we're 
we're, we're <laughs> getting we're getting more grown up, but we're nowhere near as, as mature as the NFB. And yeah. um, I so I was had the luck, the fortune of being able to work with Scott over the years on many different initiatives and on a lot of legislation um, mm -hmm. that that uh, that affected both communities. And I think Scott set a model uh, of really welcoming um, a kind of a cross disability approach w without losing the, the very important focus on blindness that is the job of the center and the NFB. Right. So that that's how that's how um, my connection um, with Scott. Thank you, Julie. What about you, Kevin? I think that, uh, well, thank you. Thanks. And I'm so glad that you're here, Julie, because that's really a testament to Scott's inclusive nature. Um, he was always wanting to broaden mm -hmm. uh, our reach, our base, people we serve. Um, so I, I'm just really glad that, that Penn, has, Penn Street has you on uh, with me. I don't know what my title is. I, for years, I was the uh, first vice president of the National Federation of the Blind while Scott was its president. And uh, we had roles often that were collaborative. And currently, I run our project literacy program, which is a program that does well, pretty much anything related to getting Braille for blind kids and develops programs that we have at the Colorado Center for the Blind. So and I, you know, I do a bunch of other stuff for the National Federation of the Blind. And um, yeah, I, I just, I just to say how I met Scott and, and what Scott's meant to my life, we'll get into some yeah. of that, but Scott is my older brother mm. is the answer. I mean, uh, I'm 13 years older than him, <laughs> but I was always the kid brother. Scott was, and I, I really, I mean, we were running buddies and so, um, we'll talk about some of yeah. that, but I always say, Scott, mom always liked you Aww. best. <laughs> Aww. Thanks, Kevin and Julie. One of my, um, <laughs> the, I was trying to really think about my earliest memories of, of Scott and the one that really stood out to me, which was actually decades ago, um, was the, um, I think it's called the Denver Day at the Capitol. I'm not quite sure if that was the exact uh -huh. title. Yeah, and I was yeah. very new to the National Federation of the Blind. And, you know, everybody was talking about Scott, you know, Scott's the, you know, he's the big man, he's the big cheese. And, um, and he, you know, he came over to me and we, you know, we were talking politics and, and how we can have an impact. Everybody can have an impact on the, on the policies and the, the laws and, and, but you have to show up and you have to, you have to give your voice. And that day, really, really changed me on so many levels, but it definitely changed me on how I looked at government and, you know, how we as individual citizens can affect those policies and um, our communities. But like Scott said, you, you have to show up and you have to have your voice heard. Um, but also that day, the fellowship I found with other blind people, and many of them, um, I am still friends with to this day. And you know, I went on and I went to the Washington seminar, and that was even a bigger step for me. And he, the one thing that I always felt like Scott did is he believed if in you, um, and he expected you to do the work if he put the work in front of you. And I definitely use that 
even to this day, um, even when I'm now the leader of different organizations and employees, that that ripple effect will continue on. Um, and I know Scott talked about the people that came before him that impacted him in, in so many ways. Kevin, I know you and Scott were so, so close. Um, brothers is the a perfect word for the two of you. It seems like you were always together, always. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. Yeah. exactly. And I know his illness and um, passing has really hit hit you hard. Can you can you share the first time that you met Scott and and how your friendship grew into the work that you guys did together? Sure. The first time I met Scott was at a Nash. Thank you. First time I met Scott. D. Labar was, I was at a national convention. This is 1986. It was my third convention. I am getting old. <laughs> um, and it was his first. He was a scholarship winner, punk kid, 18 years old, out of uh, Minnesota, um, getting ready to go into undergraduate school. And, uh, and uh, we met uh, and we're talking over a beverage. I don't think it was an adult <laughs> beverage. I don't know. At any rate, usually years later, it would have been a gin and tonic. Scott's favorite was a Tangeray tonic. Mm-hmm. If you come to the Memorial Celebration of Life, which is coming up this Saturday, um, the 21st, um, I think Penn's going to try to get this published and up on the net yep. a couple of days before the uh, January 21st celebration of life. So uh, uh, at any rate, um, uh, you will know that Scott was a big Tangeray tonic. That was that was Scott's drink. Oh, everybody knows. Everybody teases Scott. And uh, at any rate, we decided to uh, do a little arm wrestling uh, because we were both wrestlers in high school and college. But I was older than Scott, more than a decade. My body had already started breaking down. He was this big lug. Um, and the arm wrestling match lasted about, oh, a second and a half. And I was down, man. That It was like, go. I was done. So that's really how Scott and I met. And we've pretty much been arm wrestling <laughs> uh, for, for 40, 40 years, you know. Um, yeah, we had so many just uh, incredible experiences together over the years not just fun brothers have going to broncos games and avalanche games and uh you know seeing his children raise i mean i held his kids when they were you know infants and now one's a sophomore in college the other's a senior in high school so over the years we sort of just raised each up and and collaborated on things and and uh, so we did the fun stuff but we also did the hard work you know that you know when you go to washington dc you know who's there's not a thing that I haven't drafted a uh, piece of work, like a legislative sheet or a resolution or something, uh, operational document, whatever. There's nothing in the last 35 years that I haven't run by Scott. Mm-hmm. Hey, Scott, take a look at this. And and uh, as Jessica Beach, our current National Federation of the Blind of Colorado president says, um, take a look at this and use your magical lawyering powers. <laughs> But uh, we'll have to, we'll have that, that'll be a void. We won't have that lawyer expertise, you know, booming voice. Um, And, and, you know, but we'll have to figure it out, you know. We just, our National Federation of the Blind affiliate was so fortunate enough to get Scott when he 
moved here to start his law practice in, uh, in 1994 uh, because he, you know, within 10 years, you know, had taken over the presidency. And it was time for Diane McGeorge, one of the founders of the National Federation of the Blind in 1954, 1955, and had done such great work. Yeah. And so how did you guys, I know Scott came here to, you know, start his law office, but why, why did he pick Colorado? Was that always part of it? No, he uh, got a, he got an offer. So he had worked in Colorado at the first Colorado Center for the Blind independence summer program for youth while he was in college. So he was there in 1991. He worked in the summer programs and he got a job with the National Federation of the Blind right out of law school for a couple of years and then realized he didn't really want to do work in Baltimore for the National Federation of the Blind. So he wanted to do a law practice somewhere. Well, while he was, you know, getting the bar, passing the bar and those kinds of things, he went to work for the Colorado Center for the Blind for about three years. And then in about 97, he said, I want to start my own practice. So he got a job is the basic reason he moved to Colorado. He had to do something to make a living. Law school was <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've all been there, done that. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Julie. But he, he loved working with other organizations. That's why he reached mm-hmm. out or they, you know, Julie or he. I mean, he believed that working with Cross Disability Coalition and organizations like that broadened yes. all of us. That we have some issues that are shared and important to all of us. But Julie represents an organization of all kinds of disabilities, right. so her mission is necessarily a, a little different than, than well, ours. Well, and a lot of people who are blind do have other disabilities, you know, so I think, I think exactly. it's awesome that yep. that collaboration happened. Julie, can you share how, you know, how you met Scott and, and how the work that you guys did together impacted the lives of others? So, you know, it's interesting. I knew you were going to ask this question just because that would be natural. So I was trying to think about when I met Scott and I actually don't know. I, I couldn't, couldn't remember like when did I, I first meet him, but what was most striking about him was his speech, his, his, his voice and the presence that his voice brought yeah. um, and the confidence that I think it inspired in other people. Yeah. So, um, so I really, I really don't remember, but um, the, you know, again, our organizations, you know, we worked, there's so many different ways we work together. We did a, 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 we have a legal program and Scott and our legal director, Kevin Williams, co-counseled a case. It was one of the very few jury trials we did. And it was a, a sad case. Um, and we, we lost and we lost not because we were wrong on the law, but we lost because of ableism um, and it taught us a big lesson about juries and about the need to work in places other than the courtroom, like uh, teaching people about prejudice and about inappropriate uh, stereotypes. In the yeah. case was a woman whose name was Kiwana Chambers and she was a blind woman. And I actually know Kiwana. Okay. So Kiwana wanted mm-hmm. to um, have a baby like a lot of women and Kwana was also gay, um, and she wanted to get do the artificial insemination, and she was in pro- the process of it, and a doctor changed. And so this new doctor um, decided, said, well, how are you going to raise a child? And she's like, well, 
the same way other people do. Why? And they started putting all these ridiculous, you know, criteria on her. Like they, someone was worried that she hadn't baby proof the house. Well, she was not yet pregnant. That's why she was getting oh. IV, you know, fertilization treatments. Right. I don't know many people who baby proof a house before they get pregnant. Um, right. Then someone wanted to know how would she drive her children to soccer games? Um, oh. I know um, when, and my kids were about, you know, nine or 10 at the time. And I, I remember telling them about it and they're like, oh, well, you know, that'll be lucky for the kid. They won't have to do all of those stupid things. <laughs> um, but um, it was it was just like ridiculous and, and all kinds of stereotypes. And the other side got on and said, we're just concerned for the child, which, which was totally ridiculous. Um, and so yeah. got, we got to know Scott. And then, of course, later we passed a law and Scott was very instrumental in that. And that was 20, 2018. Um, there were a couple iterations before 2018, um, but that were not obviously strong enough. But in 2018, we passed House Bill 1104 that said that specifically ended discrimination against parents with disabilities in county departments of human services that said mm -hmm. and so it said you cannot consider disability as a negative again you know when you're evaluating a right. family now that doesn't mean and we were all very clear about this if a disabled person abuses or neglects their child they will have consequences because that's illegal but just having right. a disability does not mean you're a bad parent and sometimes if a kid isn't getting their need met, it's because the parent is facing ableism, not because they're a bad right. parent. And so the job of a county needs to be to support the parent and find out, you know, for example, if it's a deaf parent and there's maybe a medical error, well, did they have a sign language interpreter at the doctor's office, for right. example? Right. So, um, if it's a blind parent, you know, did they get the medication instructions in a in a format that they could read? The, those are that that's what a county social services department should be asking, not saying, "Oh, we're going to rip a child away from their family and give them to someone else because the parent has a disability." Right, so, right. I remember yeah. there was one one case that he talked about, and it wasn't the couple wasn't even in Colorado, but. That was both the parents were blind. They gave birth to the the child, and the baby was taken away from them right there in the hospital. I want yep. to say it was Missouri. Is that right? Um, it was. Yeah, and that yeah, it was Kansas City. That was yep. just. It was eye opening for me because, and just what you said, Julie. It's like, why, why are the why are is this even coming up? And Scott was always there in that forefront. And um, it was just, it was just amazing to me that these laws and these processes had to be changed or implemented because. Like why were they even uh, there in the first place? It, exactly. Exactly. Like I'm so still so angry at it. I can hardly talk about it. Um, I, I had the fortunate um, circumstance of, you know, being on the Colorado Commission for the Blind and Visually Impaired uh, for a couple of years uh -huh. with with Scott and and I can't remember Kevin if you were actually on there or not, but um, I, I learned. Okay, yeah, and I you know I learned a lot from that entire experience, and I know that he sat on numerous boards and commissions and. Um, you know, chaired all these amazing processes, but not just in Colorado. 
um, can Around one of country. you talk to, exactly, um, and even um, nationally, um, Kevin or Julie, can you guys talk about how his impact reached beyond the borders of Colorado? Well, I know within the American, yeah, that the um, American Bar Association, he was he was a real leader. Well, he uh, uh, let me let me go back and say how, that I think the proudest achievement real that if he were here he would say working with ccdc and senator danielson and others on the parenting legislation 2018 he um he felt like that was one of the most important things that he ever did and so did people I, uh, i got a message just the other day from an individual in nevada i didn't even know this individual never had met this individual and she just said i was reaching out to to you know, let you know how sorry I am for your loss. And then she told me a story about Scott spending hours on the phone with her when she was going through a custody battle um, right around that time, 2018. And I was also very impressed. I mean, that discussion, as you know, Julie, in 2018, mm-hmm. um, created, you know, a very, it was a difficult It was path. intense. Um, a lot of the county services weren't, it was. And, Thank you for you and also your team. But also we had Senator Danielson, who was loved Scott. In fact, she will be speaking along with Julie at the celebration of life. And Jesse worked closely with Scott and just a number of members, yeah. voting rights issues. Right. Um, yeah. His impact, though, uh, goes around the world because of his leadership with the Marrakesh yes. Treaty. And so for years, Scott worked with the American Publishers Association and other partners and finally worked with a group to through the World Blind Union and uh, a number of other consortiums, uh, stuff that he could talk about much more eloquently than I, if he were yeah. here, that's for sure. But uh, ultimately, and then had to sell the treaty to the Senate because our senator, our United States doesn't pass pass international treaties, international treaties willy nilly. They're they're not easy to shepherd through. And Scott, man, he was at the forefront of our other colleagues in the National Federation of Blind and other groups. But I think he lived in the United States Senate for days sometimes to get that treaty passed. And now we hear from people all over the world saying, you know, I'm able to get my students' books now because of the various publisher agreements that come under the Marrakesh mm-hmm. Treaty. And so literacy and parenting were two of the issues that uh, Scott cared about. Of course, he had two yeah. children. You know, he was raising very bright children, and he didn't have any trouble getting them to soccer games. No. By the way. He, was a, he was a little league coach. He was a little league coach dad. Uh, and he always got to Emily's uh, swimming meets and, you know, just was a very active husband, dad, as well as a lawyer, yes. advocate, leader, uh, gin and tonic. Drinker. I mean, he had it. He had it all. He had it all. He did. He did. He did. He did. Julie, what do you want to add to that? Well, you know, when when um, when Kevin was talking, I I got the other person that was very active in that 2018 legislation was Carrie Lucas, who was another powerhouse disability rights attorney who who died a few years ago. And I got similar calls from people around the country when, mm-hmm. after she had passed. Um, but, and I learned about the Marrakesh Treaty when Scott and I were both in DC 
with the Bar Association. I'm not a lawyer, but I'm on the National Legal Services Corporation board. And so I've participated in ABA week and we were both there um, and we were both in DC for ABA week to lobby. And so, we, and because we're, we're both from Colorado, we were in the same little group. So I got to learn all about the Marrakesh Treaty that week. Um, and it was, it was great. Um, but I do think the empowerment and how, um, and the expectation, one of the things I love about the NFB, and I noticed that in Scott's bio, that he was a scholarship recipient and then went on to lead the organization that I love and that we're actually trying to develop at CCDC is, is your scholarship program. Because you, you are encouraging your young people to get a higher education and have a career. And Scott was actually a role model and mentor for me um, because um, for a lot of people with, with physical disabilities, me Medicaid is really crucial and you can't really have, I think we lost Kevin. Um, yeah, I think so. You, you can't really have um, work without, without Medicaid, but Scott being, you know, being a lawyer and being so out there really gave me and other people kind of the motivate, I don't know about motivation, but the the attitude of saying, you know what, we, we need to fix this issue with Medicaid, which we have now fixed because yes. we all, we deserve to be professionals and we deserve to be paid professionals because for so long, so many of us had to just volunteer. And yes. so seeing Scott out there, you know, as a paid professional was very uh, important for me personally and has how and kind of has helped me now that i'm in that paid position to make sure that i'm very open about it to show other people with disabilities that they don't have to accept poverty um and that I, we can have everything that everyone agree. else has yeah that like we can have Absolutely. families you know we, we can have families we don't have to hide it we don't have to pretend like we're hopeless all of that kind of stuff that society puts on us that we just don't accept and we just figure out a way to to do things yeah another thing yeah. with with people like scott is that we have a place at the table when decisions are being made because for so long and, and still it still goes on but it's less now we have a lot still long way to go but when policies are made they're usually most of the time they're made by people that aren't even in our situation. And so exactly. it's, that's one thing that Scott always pushed, which was one of the reasons like the day at the Capitol and the Washington mm -hmm. seminar is that this we, is impacting yeah. you. You need to have a voice in this and you can have a voice in this. And that was really eye opening well, to me. I have another story about Scott. So um, when we were passing the bill just, you know, two years ago in 2021 that um, put Title II of the Americans with Disabilities mm -hmm. Act into state law in Colorado and made us the first state to guarantee government accessible websites um, mm -hmm. or govern, gov not just websites, but digital accessibility for state, state and local government yes. in the country. Um, Scott, of course, was a major player in that. And so when we had the the hearing on it, you know, it was half, it was still a lot of remote then. Um, yeah. 
and the state decided they were going to use WebEx. Um, they were using oh. that for their general assembly. <laughs> and um, yeah, all I have to do is say WebEx around blind people, and I, that's the reaction I'm going to get. So when it was his turn to testify, and, he, and you know, we like we always do when we go to the capitals, we limit witness. You know, we have just kind of the the people that are, that really can speak to this the best speak. And so, of course, Scott was one of those. So when it got to be his turn, the um, he couldn't unmute himself because the button wasn't accessible. Yep. Well, Absolutely. guess what? The, now the General Assembly uses Zoom. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and I know. the bill and the bill passed. But but whenever whenever we're in those situations, and Scott was always very much wanting to give everyone a chance to speak. But whenever things got contentious, and it's like someone needs to close this deal, I'd always be the one holding my breath, saying, I, "We just need to wait till Scott gets up there and Scott <laughs> is speaking, because he will fix it. He will he will say the exact right thing and will win the argument." And, absolutely. absolutely and that never that never failed yeah and he always was really open to just um I, that there was a situation where i had it was for work i was putting on an event in winter park colorado and some friends and i went to lunch before a meeting and i have a guide dog and and the mm -hmm. waitress just absolutely refused to let us in the restaurant and you know, I did everything that I, you know, the, all the things you're supposed to say and do and everything. Right. And uh, we went to the restaurant across the street and I, I called the police. I had never done that before. Um, and so then it, the whole thing was, was an amazing experience, but I, I called Scott, you know, it's like this, this happened. And, and he goes, you've done everything correctly, but you do need, you pick your battles. Is this one you actually want to fight against. And I said, yes, it is because it's in Winter Park, Colorado, which has one of the largest disability outdoor recreation centers. Right. And so I am not the only person that's been in there with a the service dog, and I'm not going to be the last one. And right. because of where the restaurant was. And so Scott told me what to do. He told me the steps and, and it did. I, it, it went um, all the way to the top and, um, it was, it, I, I was just really proud of myself for seeing it That's out awesome. because it, not that it was fun. It was, it was no a lot of long nights, but it, but Scott was honest with that. It's like, if you choose to do this, this is what you're, this is what you can expect and you still might not win. And, right. um, but he was always honest about that. It wasn't like, oh, well, you should go sue these people because they did this wrong thing. It's like he really. Oh, and it'll be easy. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, being a plaintiff is really, really hard and it's time consuming. And, oh, it's, and you're right. Yeah. It's not fun. Absolutely. But it's the way our laws get enforced. That took on so many cases that people don't even know about, of course. And that's the way it is with a lot of us who are advocates and yeah. Julius uh, and Penn and your right. years of, of doing that. But yeah. Scott was uh, one of the things he represented a lot of people, social security cases, yeah. lots of social security cases for people with disabilities. A lot of Randolph Shepard cases. Some of your listeners might not even know about the Randolph Shepard Act, uh, which of course creates the business enterprise program in the States for blind people, legally blind people to work with the state and operate concessions, yeah. food service, janitorial, uh, that kind of thing. And, and there's all, it's, it's a huge bureaucracy. 
Yeah. And so when blind vendors, blind entrepreneurs were having trouble, Scott, of course, was one of the uh, one of the main people, particularly in the first decade of this century that worked on those cases. He moved on and didn't do as much Randolph Shepard over the last decade. But for years, he was a Randolph Shepard go to lawyer. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't know why. I, I, yeah, he he he, 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 he I, I was very fortunate enough three weeks before Scott died, because we are such close brothers. I actually spent three hours, a little over three hours with Scott. And I knew nobody was saying it at the time, but I knew and a couple of us knew it would be a miracle of Scott. Yeah. We thought it would be we think it'd be three weeks. But but so I had a brotherly conversation with him. And my gosh, we covered everything. Uh, uh, kids, what's going to happen? Should he die? You know, what should I do? What should other people do? His legacy. He wanted to talk a little about some of the things that he had worked with others to accomplish. And and of course, we talked about and he was, and he was, and he was, you know, he was sad. He was crying. He said, "My, yeah. I'm, I'm in a battle for my life here because the deal was this blood cancer, this very rare cancer, was attacking his heart, and it was creating all these trouble. And they were hoping could they beat the cancer before it beat the heart? Well, yeah. we know, and it, it went very, very fast. And, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been a tough thing, but I'm I'm so thrilled about the memorial celebration of life because yes. not only is Julie Riskin speaking, but uh, we we now know we're going to have this proclamation from the governor that so many people, CC, DC, the Department of Labor, people, uh, NFB, all of us work to get the governor to to do something, but we also um, have a couple surprises coming up, but also. The people that are coming from all over the world, Dan Goldstein, a, a really famous civil rights lawyer, um, and of course, Jesse, the senator, um, and a number of others. Of course, the National Federation of Blind President, Mark Riccobono, will be there. And, oh, my goodness, so so many people. In fact, we had to start telling some people, no, I'm limiting people to less than five minutes. I am going to be the master of ceremony. So if oh. anybody if anybody goes longer than that, I'll have to give them the Scott Labar. We call the Scott Labar hook. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I hope I get through it. It's not easy to quote MC uh, a memorial celebration of life. I mean, because it's this sort of mix between sorrow and, and a little bit of mourning and, and yeah. memories and mm-hmm. celebration. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a difficult thing to... Um, Carter's his his daughter uh, or his son Carter. Their uh, choirs coming from Cherry Creek, and they're amazing. Oh. Um, Stray Dog, yeah, Stray Dog is a bunch of members of ours, and Eric Woods is he. he, he I call it Scott Lavar's house band oh. because they always played a lot of the events that Scott put together. So we'll have Stray Dog playing at the reception, and so it'll be. And and, and if this, you know, it, it'll be just. I'm sure. Uh, a difficult and yet important uh, and celebratory day. Uh, it really, it, it has to be for a, a great man. You know, Absolutely, there are a lot yeah. of words spoken about Scott. Yeah. And um, they don't come along. People that deep and caring and, you know, sage uh, and silly. All those things are all in this one man. And they're, uh, they're not as many as you'd like to see, I guess. Yeah. Man or woman, he happened to be a man, but you know, a person who was, and that was another one of his missions. He wanted women 
in higher places in the National Federation of the Blind. One of the reasons he elevated people like Jessica Beecham, who's yeah. now our president. You know, Scott could have held on to be the president as long as he wanted. We would have had him do that. But he said, no, I want the younger group, mm-hmm. Maureen Niefeld and yeah. Jessica Beecham, those guys. And of course, they're now quick to tell us we're not young anymore. We're 38 and 40. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's young. young. That, that's young. <laughs> I know, but yeah, when you're so, 38, yeah, yeah. But he always so. wanted to. He, yeah, he always wanted to bring in, uh, you know, different groups of people. Um, and he was always um, a, in favor of uh, LGBTQ equality and people of color and he wanted, you know, and, and, and white males as well. He wanted everybody at the table. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Oh, even, I, even some of these people in wheelchairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was concerned back in October when he wasn't at the, the state convention because, you know, yeah. I, I knew it would take a lot to keep Scott from that convention. And I actually remember one of the Washington seminars, he was having some health issues and he didn't make it. And that was, everybody was in shock, right? Because right. Scott just didn't, Yeah. he, sh- he always showed up. He always showed up. And so um, I was, you know, nervous back in October. Yeah. That was 2011, yeah. 2011. He was having some, blood pressure issues at that time because um, yeah. he did fight with high blood pressure but that wasn't related to this recent yeah yeah um, that took his life right yeah. right but you're right when he didn't show up people would say where's where's the bar i know i heard it's a like... thing on facebook last i heard a thing on facebook last night i gotta track it down somebody sent out a clip where some blind person in the organization was doing a scott labar impersonation And when I first heard the first five seconds, I swear to God, I thought it was Scott. Then it went off the rails a little bit. And I thought, oh, my God, don't do that to me. (laughs) Oh, I bet. (laughs) But I got to find out who it was because it was so good. It was really, and Scott would have loved it. We loved yeah. impersonations of of <laughs> people. We, that's one of the little silly things that we would do is who could do an impression of Dr. Kenneth Jernigan or, yeah. you know, people from the history of the Organized Blind People movement. <laughs> yeah. And I know one of the things that he was turning his attention to next was our museum of blind people. Mm. We're going to raise money and build a museum. Extraordinary piece of history, interactive uh, museum that's going to cost us several million dollars. And I know that's one of the things Scott was ready to turn his attention to ra- raising money for the museum of the uh, blind people's movement. So, is, uh, is that going to be in Baltimore? It is. It'll yeah. be on our property there in Baltimore because we have space yeah. uh, still that we can use after we built the Institute. And yeah. so um, it's a long range project. And I know, um, that's what I'm spending some of my time doing, mostly because God said, could you spend some of your time doing that? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll spend some of my time. <laughs> yeah. I was usually happy. Scott would set the tone and I would march and march the march. And yeah. it was a joy. Yeah. I have, um, I facilitate a low vision support group. It's, it used to be every two weeks. Now it's every week. Um, but there was a woman from Alabama that came on. And she's very new to the Federation in Alabama. And she said, Penn, did, you know, did you hear about this guy named Scott Labar? And I said, 
Yes, I did. I did, Peggy. And um, she, even as a very young, very young, somebody, you know, that's just maybe just a couple of months into the National Federation of the Blind journey, she had, in a different state, she had already learned about Scott Labar and then, you know, his passing. So it's definitely a ripple effect everywhere. Um, it is. It- one of the things that he's known for in the movement, see, we've, we've been talking now for quite a while, and uh, we've talked about the Marrakesh Treaty and some yeah. of his legal work and advocacy and politics. But one of the things he's known for in the organization is developing and, and fostering and chairing our PAC plan, which is a pre-authorized yeah. contribution plan where members come on for $2.50 or $5 or $50 a month and Scott was the pack chairman. And yes, I know. All oh, the I, and every, the, the song. The every pack. Zoom, like, get on the pack plan. Get on the pack plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. And he loved it. He was so silly about it all, yeah. too. He, uh, you know, he had all these contests. So here he is, a 54-year-old blind, a uh, uh, 54-year-old uh, attorney, interna- you know, international negotiator, and he's doing this thing like the, the organization <laughs> that gets the most increases at this convention gets awarded the pack rat <laughs> or the pack mule or the pachyderm. He was just a creative guy and and had a lot of energy all the time. Absolutely, life. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah, you know, he, but, his beautiful, beautiful family, Anahid, and the two kiddos. I I just can't even imagine the loss in their lives and, and hearts right now. So, but he, you know, he, yeah, def- Anahit, for those who don't know, go ahead. Sorry, Pim. No, I was just going to say is that was one thing about Scott though, is he's leaving behind this big empty space, but he was always so good about lifting other people up to take, mm-hmm. yeah. to take charge and to fill those, gaps you know there's a lot of gaps out there and um he always seemed to to set a tone he set a tone he set a tone in the community of competence and confidence that we can do this and yes absolutely and and that we must do it well his wife finally he i'm sorry julie no go ahead I was going to say and you know and you you mentioned his family on a heat from armenia yeah. Uh, originally from Armenia, and she's a TVI teacher of blind students working with the uh, Denver public school system. Yeah. And she continued to work during all of this. I mean, Scott was literally dying, and she continued to work. She continues to do her job, and and uh, now she's back working, and of course struggling. I mean, emotionally, of course. Yeah. Uh, and both of the children are struggling. Um, because they're just amazing, giving, caring, wonderful people, and yeah. uh, and they're going to stay, of course, in our family. I'm on um, blind as well, and uh, they're they're a part of our family forever. In the absolutely uh, not only the National Federation of the Blind, but the community of people people with yeah. disabilities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what would I was also a Democrat. I, <laughs> Anybody out there listening, Scott? Just just so you know, he was a Democrat. But for the blind, he would be willing to sup with anyone. Oh just yeah, he would take a long handled spoon. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was interesting because I was trying to look up. Well, what, for people out there in the audience who who 
maybe have never heard of Scott Labar, the National Federation of the Blind or that kind of thing. I was like trying to figure out what's the best, what would be the best place for people to go to learn about Scott. And all you have to do is put his name in Google. And Absolutely. It's endless. And that, but the, you will see common threads over and over again of, you know, the policies and, and how he, you know, he fought for all of us, um, you know, yeah, yeah. to make sure that we had equality and these ridiculous, you know, laws and policies that are in place were, were gotten rid of because they didn't, you know, it's just, it's just insane. Um, but, I, you know, do you guys want to toss out some of the places that you would like people to go to to learn more about Scott? Sure. I, I, I think the easiest place is go to nfb.org, like National Federation of the Blind.org. nfb.org has all you know, articles, and you can go back. And because we preserve our flagship publications up there on the Internet, you can go and look at speeches he's given if you want yeah. to. Because Not just because of Scott, but because it's history and it's important, yeah. whether it's voting or Marrakesh Treaty. There's so much stuff about Scott and up there. As you say, you can just Google Scott Labar. Exactly. You know? uh, but NFB.org, you know, uh, the other thing is he was chairman of our Colorado Center for the Blind. He yes. provided some amazing leadership, you know, because when you're running a residential training center, there's all kinds of stuff that happens, legal stuff, uh, image stuff, curriculum stuff, governance stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he spent a lot of time with Julie Deeden, our executive director, and the board doing that as well uh i you know uh he was also a big avalanche fan he loved his avalanche <laughs> yeah. loved the avalanche and he loved the minnesota vikings uh, <laughs> those were his two passions outside of uh outside of all the other passions i guess that's right that's also right. i know you're gonna wrap it up at some point but also he put a hole in my wall one time in my house. He was mad at a girlfriend. This is before uh, he got married. Uh, and uh, he said, I am so mad at that woman. And he punched my wall and put a <laughs> hole in it. <laughs> oh, my brother, Scott. Guys. Yeah, yeah well, he still owes me. He still owes, me. He still owes <laughs> you for that hole. But but that shows that yeah, he's human. So you know, I think a lot of people like Scott. People put him up on pedestals and they don't realize that they punch holes in walls, you know, they have down times. They, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. they, they yeah. Trip, trip over yeah. the sidewalk occasionally, you know, like they're real, yeah. they're real yeah. people, you know, and, and I don't think Scott ever liked people to put him up on that pedestal, um, which was one of the things that I enjoyed about him. Oh, what would, I would like to hear from each of you, but what would you like the takeaway today to be um, from Scott's legacy? I think what you started with is, yeah, what you started with, which is you got to show up. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what he would want for people to know is you've got to just show up and have the confidence in yourself that you can do it. And that it's not always going to be easy that you'll, you'll make mistakes. You'll, you'll fumble, but you show up and you keep trying and you keep working and that we can't as people with any kind of disability sit in the sidelines or sit in, you know, sit in the corner. We, We have to show up and, and be proud about who we are, not 
shrink back from it, but be very openly proud about who we are and live our, live our best lives. Thanks, Julie. What about you, Kevin? I think what he used to say all the time, and that is, you know, with love, hope, determination, uh, you can live the life you want. I mean, that's, that was his mantra. And he truly believed that if you loved each other and if you had hope and you were determined that you could, as Julie just said, live your best life, you can live the life you want. And I think that's, you know, that's the main thing, particularly on the professional advocacy side. I, on the human side, just that he was a great, great, great friend, the best friend anybody could ever have. So. Thanks, Kevin. Um, well, thank you both for coming on. I know this definitely wasn't maybe what you thought you'd be doing today, but we all really, really, really appreciate you shining a light on, on Scott. His celebration of life is taking place on Saturday, January 21st, and um, the, all the seats are filled, but there is going to be a Zoom link which will be accessible and we will make sure that we have that in the podcast notes so that people can click on there and go to that and, um, and, and be there virtually. So just like Scott said, show up, got to do the work and remember to be kind to yourselves and uh, find a way to be kind to somebody else this week. And it's good for your soul. We'll see you guys next week. Julie and Kevin, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was one of Scott's teachers when he first lost his vision at age 10. I'm so sorry to hear that he passed away. I looked forward to every day to going to his school to work with him. Through a very difficult time in his life, he prevailed. I was so glad to hear that he had become a lawyer and an advocate. I'm thinking of his family and praying for them. Sally. I am so sorry to hear that Scott passed away. The president of the American Bar Association appointed Scott to chair the ABA Commission on Disability Rights from 2004 to 2007. I was a member of the commission for those three years, and I succeeded him as chair. I was in awe of Scott from the first time I met him. I was not surprised to learn that Scott's motto was that he could do anything. Scott chaired meetings with command of the room. He insisted on accessibility in meetings and media for persons with disabilities, regardless of the type of disability. He could read Braille faster than I could read print. He would take off walking to go any place he wanted, using only a cane. He would give speeches passionately to large audiences, using his Braille reader not only for his notes, but to pull up charts and data from the internet in an instant. He became a member of the ABA Board of Governors and served as chair of the ABA Solos, Small Firm and General Practice Division, one of the ABA's largest entities. Scott was the force behind many victories for people with disabilities in Congress and the courts. He was a compassionate and caring person. He talked about his family every time I saw him and was full of love and pride for his wife and children. I loved Scott and will miss him. Alex, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Scott was a joy to work with. He was always patient and always had his focus on long-term goals. He also was a friend ready to reach out and assist when needed. He will be terribly missed. Joe. 
Scott was a great leader and will long be remembered for his service to the administration of justice, particularly in the field of disability rights. When others didn't, Scott did. We served on the American Bar Association Board of Governors together, and I will always remember his courage to stand up for what he believed to be right. And as hard as everyone else worked, Scott met his challenges and worked twice as hard. Scott taught me much. When I was chair of the ABA's Law Practice Division, I went to Scott to seek his guidance as to what the division could do to bring in more lawyers with physical challenges. With Scott's guidance, we reached out to various disability rights groups and achieved our goals. Even at social events, with all the people in noise, I would always seek Scott out to offer a hand and assist him as best I could. Scott Labar will long be remembered for his service to the legal profession and will be sorely missed as a friend. My thoughts and prayers are with Scott's family and friends. Hopefully they will find comfort in their many wonderful memories, as well as the love and kindness of others at this difficult time. Tom, St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. I am so sorry for this loss. Scott was a great leader and friend. I was privileged to work alongside him at the American Bar Association, where he made such a difference advocating for disability rights, among other areas. Scott's life was dedicated to service, and he was a servant leader until the end. He was the current chair of the solo and small firm division of the ABA, where he still inspired everyone and chaired the fall meeting in October. I will miss him greatly. My thoughts and prayers are with his family. Mary. President-elect, ABA. I was blessed to know Scott through the American Bar Association and originally as young lawyers there. Scott's enthusiasm was infectious. He made us all better people by reminding us of all of the challenges others face and how we can eliminate barriers that prevent others from participating. I was looking forward to working with him this year since he was chairing the House Tech Committee a committee I chaired until August of this year. He would have continued to make an impact and we will make sure his legacy continues. May his memory be a blessing for all. Daniel. Scott was a true leader in Colorado and around the world. He modeled diversity and inclusion and as a result of his leadership, the blind community and the rest of the disability community have an excellent relationship. He influenced many pieces of legislation, including the first law in the country to require state and local government to provide digital access to people in all programs and services, and a law prohibiting human services from discriminating against disabled parents. His wisdom and essence will be greatly missed. His shoes will be filled by the many amazing people he has supported and mentored over the years. He truly carried and built a legacy of freedom and activism. Julie. I miss Scott so much. Every day I want to confer with him on cases like we used to do. Every day I miss his ability to make me laugh about different lawyers, rile me up and more about stupid discrimination, and remind me that it is possible to be a civil rights advocate without becoming cynical, bitter, and mean. Scott was a guiding light on how to be a kind person while also being a fierce advocate. This world and our movement will feel this loss forever. Eve. I didn't know Scott Labar. 
but the afterglow of his well-spent time on Earth is amazing. The selflessness with which Scott lived is a reinforcing encouragement across this nation. Thank you, Mrs. Labar and family, for allowing Scott to let his light shine. Now our family prays for yours. May the light of life which shined through Scott shine his healing light on you. May your garment of mourning be turned to robes of joy. Roland, Baltimore. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. You were born great, Scott, and went ahead to achieve even more greatness. You show every one of us what true greatness means. Thank you for a life well spent. Tina. Scott was so full of life and love. He worked hard, played hard, and always had time for others. He will be sorely missed in the blind community and among his family and friends. He will live forever in our hearts. Rest in peace, Scott. A true champion with a big heart, hard on discrimination and loving as a friend. The measure of a person is the depth of their dimensions. Scott had both. We will miss him in the movement, but we will miss him more in our personal lives. Our deepest gratitude to the Labar family for sharing this great life force with us. Scott always let us know that his family was his greatest pride. On behalf of the AINC family, staff, volunteers, and listeners, we thank you, Scott Labar, for everything you did for our community. You will be missed.